here I am today with Bonnie Tarantino, which is really exciting because I have known Bonnie for so many years, decades, in fact, and this is troubling to me because I really until very recently had no idea really what she did at all like 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 at all i mean just she could have been a, a rocket scientist she could have been a um, a knitting expert and i would not have known any differently from what i just found out a few weeks ago so bonnie is i'm going to let her tell you really what she does but bonnie is amazing um i would call her an energy healer an energy worker and she does some pretty impressive things. And I was able to have one of these sessions with her, which was um, starting to be life-changing in the way that you can look at your life. So we'll talk to Bonnie about what she does. And then in the conversation, I think you might find some things for you personally. So welcome, Bonnie. Thank you. I'm really excited to talk to you. If you were to tell people what it is that you do, when you're at a cocktail party and people ask you, what do you do? What do you say? I say that I, I ask them if they know anything about yoga and I'll start with with yoga because it's very simple for most people now and and then I kind of get them to talk a little bit about what they know about yoga and then I'll say well I train people um, to teach yoga but I specifically train people who are tend to be more in the healthcare world Um, so the kind of yoga I take I teach people isn't like the type of yoga that you might take in a gym but it's more specific to helping people to heal. And then we would talk a little more. Usually I have a kind of process of trying to find out where people are and the language they use before I tell them what I do so that I can kind of reference what I do to things they already know. And then I'll say um, when, you know, when people are stressed or having a hard time, usually they're very sensitive, you know, to, what's going on around them, but they don't know how to adjust that sensitivity toward themselves to correct and make their environment better. So I've, I've learned over the years through yoga and through practicing something called Reiki, how to help people to turn their sensitivity inward. And so I, I do that through one-on-one sessions and I do that through group work. And, um, you know, usually people are coming to me for training that lasts for several months. Um, okay. And then I have like another standard, yeah, you know, way of kind of introducing myself, which is like my history. And I'll just say, well, you know, for the last 16 years, I was the director of the yoga programs at the Center for Integrative Medicine, which is at the University of Maryland. So that's like my, my very formal introduction. But now I'm resigned from that position. So I have to kind of find another way in <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to talk a lot about that position, though, because that is yeah. really that was I think a great experience. Totally, and that's where people can come in on this. You know, mm-hmm. um, even in just what you just said, there is um, obviously a lifetime of work. But also, I want to go back just to the beginning when you were talking about just to give people a sense of who you are to kind of mm-hmm. set up who is capable of doing this kind of work, like. You know, if you're trying to identify yourself in this conversation, one is, can I do yoga and can I get better by yoga? Okay, that's one person. And then the other is, am I like Bonnie? What am am I aligned in the ways that she is, or can I learn to be aligned in the ways that she is that I can go forward and do work like this? And that, you know, that would be meaningful to me. Not that anyone, you know, we're not trying to be other people. We're trying to recognize ourselves in other people and what they do. So when you said back in the conversation watching, listening for other people, for their language to kind of figure out 
where I come in with that. What does that mean? I have learned over the years that I'm really sensitive and I have the ability to pick up a lot about people. And so even just a, a very casual conversation for me usually goes very quickly into something that's fairly deep for that person. And so because of who I am, they open up very quickly. So that kind of approach to a conversation really allows me to kind of prepare for maybe what it is in that conversation they're ready to hear from something in them that's ready to listen. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, I don't uh, usually have just regular conversations because I am a very intuitive person. and I have developed my sensitivity to uh, like a psychic level. Basically, I don't yeah, really love the word psychic because I believe no, we're all psychic. That. Yeah, but but there are ways I think this is important for people to hear from you. There are ways that we all can, um, what would I say, develop, I guess, our psychic, yes. if you don't have a better word, which I don't, um, psychic abilities, our intuition, our ways of feeling and being at different levels outside of the five senses, right? So Absolutely. I think if people can recognize that that you know you had an evolution in that because when you're saying I learned that I was a sensitive person or I what did you say I learned that I was sensitive how do how do people know that because I'm getting there are people like this and this this is actually very telling this is you're helping a lot I think just already in this very moment to think about the people that you gravitate to to talk mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. when you're like having the that bad day or when you are just like, oh, you know, I don't know how to think about this or I'm crying and I don't know why I'm crying or whatever it is. Um, there are people that you just, you talk to or people that you run into in a coffee shop and you're just chit-chatting and all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe I just told that person my whole story. Like nobody knows this. And I right, just told that right. person, you would be that right. person. Yeah, that hap- that happens to me a lot. Yeah, because I... I, I, the we you know I really have ha- had a lot of training. So mm-hmm. my you know I have actual training in terms of school. You know I went to college and I became an English teacher, and then I, I got my master's in creative writing, and then I was I taught high school English. I taught creative writing, so I have actual formal training in how to really kind of hook into people intellectually and how to really move them forward. And they're thinking about themselves and especially how to get them to listen to that inner voice, which is the trick of a good writing teacher, is to get people to really hear and navigate that inner realm so they can draw that forth creatively. And so, you know, in a simple conversation, now I have many tools from yoga, from meditation, from the many teachers that I've come into contact with by attracting them to me, you know, in the same way people are attracted to me. Um, that helped me to enjoy the gifts I have rather than being bombarded by people's stuff. So I think a lot of people listening might identify with that, that they are very overwhelmed by the going into a room with a bunch of people and where do I fit in and how do I handle my sensitivity in this situation? Going into work and picking up on all these different things that people need and feeling like they have to fulfill all those needs while somehow, you know, getting their job done, you know? So I think we're moving toward a more sensitive society in general. And I think our generation and our children are being, are being allowed to be even more sensitive. So I think that's why we're gravitating more towards these fields of mindfulness. Incredibly. And I think it's, um, um, like you're saying, it's important because 
I view this as an evolutionary process. I don't view this as like a societal change or, you know, we had this new law that makes us be this way or now, you know, we're PC, so we have to say it like that. I view this as, you know, we're all developing as, in this case, a human species still um, in terms of, right, how we would, that's how I say it, how we would evolve. But I want to, I want to like, before we get like down that whole space, which is awesome and incredibly, um, engaging and interesting, but it might be a little esoteric if we don't go back and just fill in these blanks, because what you were saying also is very important, your earlier training and this whole chronology and really get a sense of when you were younger too, when you were younger and you're on the playground, were you, um, in, I think from what you're saying, it's kind of this like empath tendencies, right? There's just like this, just like, I feel you. I really, legitimately feel you so when you were when you were little so people other people can identify themselves what was it like for you as as a younger kid you know like yeah. 10 11 12 you know like in those ages well I was I was incredibly um you know just by nature I came from my heart so it was almost like I I was very shocked at, at how people behaved I didn't understand the language of you know that mean what what being mean or competing even meant it was very hard for me to translate why we would treat each other badly and so I was you know very aware of one of the things that actually it is a little esoteric but I've always been aware of light and shadows and so I've always have had like a an ability to see when things were lit up and when things were going into a shadow space things okay were you being, mean like um do you mean like, physically like physically in, yeah, or like well, auras really or like see, in the... yeah I can really see energy but you know, it's not like psychedelic type. No, no, no. It could be, this but is like it, how it's mediums really talk a sensitivity about it, right? I had like, to really seeing like this person is so happy and they're lit up. This person came into the room and they weren't. And now everyone in the room, their light just shut down because of what this person said. One thing that person said really just dropped everyone down. Then someone else comes to the room and now the energy's back up. So as a young person, I noticed this. You're doing this um, sensory. Right. So it's not like, oh, I'm noticing when he said this, that the the tenor of the room, you know, it's not like that. Because some people are good that way. No, I think actually, I think I was processing that way. Okay. Inside my head. And I would, I would notice what I could do to change the light. How can I lighten this? Was your family like a non-competitive? Was this cultural for you? Um, I was in a, I was in a very sensitive, I was in a home with my mother who was highly sensitive. So I think I had that kind of training Mm -hmm. and I was also in a very, um, at that part of my life, my, my awareness was more religious based, but it wasn't like, um, fun it wasn't like a fundamental thing. It was more about the love, Mm -hmm. the love of, you know, God, not the damnation of things. So I grew up with kind of, a permission to feel and sense things that weren't there that were loving mm-hmm. and light. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that was important. Like Jumpstart on this really. Yeah, yeah. I didn't get shut down. Mm-hmm. And actually it was my parents that actually brought me to a Reiki practitioner when I was a teenager because they knew I was having a really hard time with uh, my sensitivity. And what so that Reiki, what did that experience do for you? Because that would have been when you were young also. How old are you? Yeah. Well, I was actually, I was like 20, actually, so, so okay. I wasn't that young, but I had but just gone was, into a real bout experience? of depression. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I really got like all the lights turned off, and I, all I saw was the shadow, and I didn't know what was going on. I just didn't think I could be here, and I told them, 
you know, I don't think I can be here. There's no, I can't see any, I can't feel the love and see anything anymore. What's that? Did something precipitate this or was Oh, yeah. You know, you always have that guy who takes you down. I guess I was going to say, and I think that's a really important age that you're talking about. So when we're out talking to people, you know, all across the board here to listen for that age when this comes up before you have, um, what would I say, before you have enough tools or before you have enough people around you, before you found your people, whatever it is that you can do, get out of this yourself. Um, well, I was also in college, really, so yeah. you know, I was I was actually trying to define what who where I was going to fit totally. in in terms of my 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 skill and my craft in the world. And I, I like I liked academics too, so I didn't feel completely, you know, out of touch with what I could do. But um, I, it, you know, in my world, we call that the dark night of the soul, when the soul mm-hmm. has to go into a descent, yeah. it has to go into the darkness. To find itself, it has to be alone in order to hear in that, that that quiet, dark, deep place the truth, and to reveal and create their own light from within. And so, that that time when people start to figure out what they're going to do in college and what kind of careers they want, that's also a huge time of initiation. And so, I think that's a beautiful time for people to have experiences that bring them into their, their soul path and bring them into this kind of work. I think that's why a lot of young people are doing yoga and they're traveling if they can, because that brings them into that greater space of themselves and their connection to others. That's interesting. Cause I hear a lot about that, the connecting space from, yeah. from everyone really, but a lot from this age group. Well, okay, you so know, what- one thing you might like is because we have the internet and our phones, yeah. We don't, we, any moment we want to open up to connect or get information, we can do it instantly. That is actually a complete energetic shift. You want to talk about something culturally that has impacted our consciousness. We believe at any moment we can go into a space and open up and get whatever information we want and connect to anything we want. Right. The thing is that we can do that. We can connect instantly and we don't, we don't, it's not hard. I can. My daughter's traveling through Bali and Indonesia right now, and she just sent me a you know a text with a video. That opens my fields up. I can reach that far out instantly. So that's partly why we're becoming more sensitive because that's we're doing it all the time. Mm-hmm. But we also have to learn how to how to like be very discerning with that, and we have to learn how to shut that down because we're getting bombarded. Yeah, because it's constant. Right. It's and, constant. And you don't have any, I don't have any good filters. Like there's just, it's just constant. You know, and like you're right. saying, like any access, this is actually really, this is actually helpful too. I mean, thinking like, you know, I mean, people listen to a lot of different podcasts about a lot of different things and you can turn on anything for five minutes and just get like, oh, let me tell you how you're going to make it today. <laughs> let me tell it's you true. why today is an awesome day. You know, it's because X, Y, Z and, you know, find it, find this, find that, you know, this, whatever, this bird, this, this great, you know, and people can just keep being connected and positive. So, okay. And when you go to the other side too, very easily, right. walking into a really disorganized environment yeah, with people absolutely. who aren't paying attention to themselves at all. So you have all these people that are just paying attention to everything outside of themselves. And you come into the environment, no one's actually there. Which is really disorganizing, right? Because there's this whole, um, I think, you know, I was introduced to, you know, consciousness and all this when I was very young for from a very progressive set of parents. But like you're saying, like, if you don't have that 
exposure or way to think about it, you might kind of miss it. But now I think the next generation is very attuned with self-awareness and how important it is and knowing who you are and being true to who you are. And I I view them as much more advanced in this way than we were at the same ages. Absolutely. I think they're, I think they're very advanced. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. when you were 20 and you go yes. to, and your parents, thankfully, took you to, uh, what, who was it and what happened? Um, well, it was either, like, I was in, like, a pretty um, depressed state, so they were very concerned about me, you know, that maybe I would, you know, I, I didn't want to be here, so I was, right. I wouldn't say, like, outright suicidal, but I was like, I don't, I can't, I can't do this this way, you know. Um, but I just met the woman. She was at my home. She came to my home for a party. And all she did is she said, would you like to experience Reiki? And she just put her hand on my back. And I, I really do teach a, a lot of Reiki. I teach more Reiki than yoga at this point in my life. But she put her hand on my back and I could feel, I could feel the light going up in the room. I could literally, as if someone took a dimmer and started moving the light up. Wow. I felt it instantly. And I said, whatever you're doing, I need that. And she goes, I know, that's why I'm here. It's going to be okay. And literally, that was the beginning of it in that one moment. The beginning of you getting better or the beginning of you um, understanding that this was something that you were going to be able to incorporate also? It was the beginning of me realizing that I wasn't wasn't crazy. Mm -hmm. That I, I actually, something, what I believed was going on was real. That we were energy and we were light and love was important. I mean, that was huge to, and and at that age to decide that was my universe, that was my world, that's where I was going, that's where I wanted to learn. That changed everything. So how did it change everything? Because then, okay, um, one, tell people what, tell us what Reiki is and distinguish it from yoga so that we're clear as we continue the conversation. They're different. They are. Yeah, right. And so I want to, I want, I want all of us to understand clearly when you're talking about it, because we'll get very specific with, you know, your work and how it lines up. So what is, what is Reiki? So Reiki is from Japan. It was um, developed by a man named Dr. Yusui. And the word is two words broken down. One is Rei and one is Ki. And the Rei is defined as basically cosmic wisdom, the wisdom of the universe. So, you know, somehow the palm tree grows, you know, somehow... The ocean knows. Things know. The wisdom and the intelligence of the natural kingdom and even of the stars and the planets. And then the key part, the KI part, is the energy of you. So your cosmology, who you are within you, the energy that is contained within you and creates the consciousness of you. And all a a Reiki practitioner does is help you to connect the two help you to source yourself from the greater energy and to kind of help you to stop sourcing from actual people and to connect to that greater energy. So depending on your religious beliefs or your beliefs about spirituality, we all have a sense that something sources us. There's something greater than us. And I think a good Reiki teacher or practitioner helps you to pay really close attention to that and then refines the connection the way you go from maybe 3G to 4G, 
you know, really mm-hmm. increases your internet connection to the energy that you believe sources you. And um, that's the, you know, the Reiki practitioner actually doesn't ever define themselves as a healer. So when you introduced me in the beginning as uh, energy healer, that's not, uh, that doesn't, doesn't resonate with me because I never feel like I do the healing. Because the other like, person is doing it for, for him or herself. Yes. And if you remember when I, uh, when you and I had that experience over the phone, who was getting the information? Who was moving everything around? Who was doing that? Right. You're not telling me, think this, think that, move this. Right? You, you yeah. were accessing Generating all this it. stuff mm-hmm. yourself from a place I had never been because it was your place. It was your, your idea of what, you know, sources you. And so that's why I love Reiki so much because I can work with so many different belief systems. So what would be an energy healer? An energy healer would be something. Well, there are energy healers and there are really good ones. And then there are, there are ones that really, I don't think understand the scope of the landscape they're in because they, they're not paying attention to that person's internal world. They're Mm -hmm. aware of, you know, energy more on an external level. So, like an acupuncturist, for example, is an amazing energy worker. They're opening all these fields of energy. When you go into a, a private yoga session and someone's moving and helping you to open the chakras and your body, then, yeah, she's, she's promoting that energy healing. Um, so there are people that can go in and move your energy without you consciously moving your energy. Mm-hmm. There are people that – and I can do that. I just – that's not what I, that's not that's what not I find. That's how you identify Mm-hmm. Um, I don't find that that holds. Right. That's not your natural pattern to hold that new energy pattern. But if you understand it from a different place and you're the one that accessed it and it becomes what you believe, then you can hold that vibration. You can hold that new thought. You can hold that new pattern. So that's why I'm always interested in having the person open the energy up and find right, for what themselves. it is. Right, exactly. Yes. Yeah, because that session, which I'll get into, it was it's amazing to even think about that. Okay, and, so and then, then you know, I teach people how to do that. So I would rather you know how to do that for when you wake up at three in the morning and you're freaking out. Yeah, like I'm not laying in bed next to you. I can't help you that. Right, but and neither I can is my give you... acupuncturist, by the way. <laughs> and sometimes, certainly, we're not waking anyone up at that point. <laughs> we're on our own. So. Right, I think it, that's a really. It's a really good point. I'm, I'm actually, I'm appreciative of the distinctions because now I'm starting to understand how, like where all this kind of fits. And you could be, if you are a consumer, you could be involved in with all these different people, you know, for all these. Different yeah. And you could reasons. go to a Reiki practitioner and they can just do the energy work and you just lay there. And that's absolutely beautiful. That is the way some Reiki teachers um, and Reiki practitioners work. And it's, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just not particularly how I do it because I'm by nature more of a teacher. Okay, right. So because this is what you were talking about early on. So let's understand. So where like all this comes from and how did you forge this path? Because obviously you went to, um, you know, high school and college and all that. So so, um, fill in the blanks just a little bit from from high school to college. You know, what were you doing in high school? What did you think you were going to be doing? And then... You know, obviously you said you went to college. So what was kind of, what was the plan? What was the expectation? 
So in high school, I was very like involved in creating the culture of the school. So I was really involved in the student government. Um, we had a really amazing program in the school called Human Relations, which was to, we lived in a very multicultural area outside of New York City. And so there were these prog- this program in place to kind of break down cultural barriers. So we didn't have problems with like race and religion and, you know, um, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I really loved that program, and so I was involved in that in high school, and I think that shaped and helped my sensitivity as well. Um, and then I went to – I picked George G.W. in Washington, D.C., because I was interested in, like, international relations and how do you create communities and how do you create work environments where people thrive. But um, I actually didn't end up graduating with that because I ended up in a, a high school classroom in a sociology class and I met this amazing teacher and she basically was like, I just need your help. And so I just helped started helping her with the kids with their writing and with their reading. And it was an interesting, amazing um, public school called school without walls, which is kind of well known for its teaching, um, you know, philosophy. And I just didn't want to leave her and I didn't want to leave the classroom with her. And that's when I knew I want, I needed to develop that teacher in me. And then, um, I started getting more into my own writing. And when I started studying energy work and yoga, there's a lot of reflective um, uh, time that you spend, you know, really clearing and owning your own stuff when you do this kind of training. And so that led me to more and more writing. And and I loved the writing. And I ended up getting my master's up back up in New York in, in creative writing and landing this kind of cool job as a high school English teacher. Um, but mostly I was teaching creative writing and doing creative things with the students. How did you um, end up in that? So, so what was the, so in college you were yeah. taking a social course or something and part Sociology. of it was like, so part of it was like an internship or how did you yeah, get into this high go, school situation? Um, I had just to go a, observe this class, this school. And just, this it was a part of like an assignment, like a, were you going to write a paper about it or something? Yeah. I had to go once Simple. a week for like, yeah, for like four weeks. Okay. Yeah. And the teacher's like, I, I, I if you can read and write, I need you helping me. <laughs> like this is so. Yes, I totally. I, I love actually, her. this is like this is a really helpful thing just to think about this too because when I was in graduate school, I helped out a kindergarten teacher for very similar reasons. It was like it was a break for me in my head with the heaviness of what I was doing, and it was a huge break for her in terms of having someone just to like cut construction paper, you know, like right. help the kids, you know use their little scissors for the first time and cut around this Christmas tree or whatever it was that they were doing for their project, you know, probably not Christmas trees anymore. Who knows? Cut around this, you know, sphere, you know, how am I going to make a circle and put it on this, you know, construction paper? Um, And I I think if people uh, can do this kind of stuff, you can see if that's an environment for you because they're, you know, I'm always thinking, you know, what can people be doing to find out yes or no, if I love this or I don't like this and yeah. calling up a teacher and getting involved in helping out in her classroom in whatever way he or she needs that could be tremendously valuable. Even if you don't think, I didn't think I was going to be a teacher, but now that I'm, yeah. refl- I just thought, you know, this is a really, I like, you know, being around kids and having that distinction when I'm in business school, something so like heavy, like I'm saying, um, but I, I think that's just helpful. And obviously that helped you because otherwise yeah. I don't know if you would have made it to a teaching setting, right? Right. And I do believe that, especially in your, you know, late teens and early twenties, I believe the, the, there are these beautiful, juicy, delicious bread, breadcrumbs that are dropped on your path. 
And if you can follow, that's a one part in your life where you can listen to what turns you on. What do I like? What do I really like? What people are dynamic to me? And if you can spend a little time paying attention to what makes you happy and lights you up and you go, you'll find people like the teachers start coming and showing you what you're capable of. Uh, you know, I think that it's just an, such an amazing time for people between 18 and 22 and 23. I agree. And, and yeah. if, if people, if they can, um, you know, obviously you have children, I have children. So I, I'm certainly thinking about it for them. And if people can get this early enough, it's so beneficial to a happier life sooner yeah. or without, yeah. you know, the stress that comes when you're 25, 28, 30 without a good plan or without a good, um, what would I say? Without a good setup, like you're talking about, um, just to just to hold that space for one second when you're saying like, you know, if kids or anyone, because, you know, the, a lot of us have to come and do this work later, right? right what do right. I, you know, the breadcrumbs keep coming, believe me. <laughs> exactly. That's the thing. <laughs> so when you say like these breadcrumbs are dropped, what can yeah. people look for? Like when you say that, you know, like really in, in real, when real work, like, what are you saying? Like, what kinds of things yeah. would people look and say like, oh, is it a person? Is it a situation? Is it a car accident that you didn't end up need to have? Like, what, yeah. what do you say? What do you mean when you say that? Well, I think it's about paying attention, you know, and being like, just noticing that there's this beautiful um, concept in that I learned that what, what you seek is always seeking you. I, I'm not sure. I think it was R- maybe Rumi who said it more elegantly. But the idea that what you're looking for is also heading toward you, that you're not chasing it. it it's a whole different experience. If That's you a huge that. paradigm shift. I'm sure you're just like, you know, mind blown for like, yeah. for like 85% of the people listening because that's huge. That's huge yes. what you just said. Yeah. And it's it's not trying to find you. It's heading right toward you. Which also means that you don't have to be trying. You just have to be being Right. And like allowing, like putting yeah. down your walls. Yeah. And you still have to, you, yeah, you still have to go out mm-hmm. in the world. But like, if you're someone that's interesting to you, like I, I taught my children growing up, like when you're with an adult, they're shy too. Yes. But if you can ask them some questions, you're going to, you're going to find out really interesting things about them. And then when you get to an age where you're interested in really going out into the world, they're going to remember that they had a, a really cool conversation with you when you were a kid. Like adults will remember that. Mm-hmm. So you're talking to people. If they start to say something interesting to you, just pay attention. Like who is this person and what are they doing? And then if you talk to other people and they're like, you're feeling lower or smaller or, you know, you just want to leave, that's a signal too. So you expand and you reach and you open and you breathe when you're you're going toward a breadcrumb and you contract and you feel small and you start doubting when you're going away. It's kind of like, you know, when you play that um, hot and cold game with the kids Mm -hmm. and you say hot, 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 right? No cold, 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 cold. You know, Um, I put a hundred dollars in an Easter egg at Easter because my kids are all older. And I'm like, you know what? You guys are going to find these Easter eggs in the yard because there's a hundred dollars in one. And they couldn't, find, they couldn't find the Easter egg. So I had to start doing the hot, hot, hot thing. <laughs> they could get near the Easter egg. And let me tell you, they were running like crazy around the yard. Oh yeah. So, they're, they're really sensitive then. A hundred dollars is great no matter how old you are. So there are things that bring you into that warmth and that expansion. And there are things that tell you that, you know, there's nothing here. 
This is really important. This is flat. And I think what you said before was really important too, is um, in relation to that. So you're saying, um, you know, you still have to go out. You still have to like go into the world. You still have to, um, you know, be seeking, if you will, or be, you know, getting out there, which is what a lot of the work on this podcast is to help people just be engaged, you know, go do something, you know, get some information, positive or negative. It doesn't even matter because it all will be beneficial to where, like you're saying, like your beacon is up there, out there, yeah. over there, whatever. And if yeah. you keep moving, you know, energetically, however you interpret it, if you keep moving, meeting someone, you know, making a connection, even if you're shy, I'm, I am not painfully, but I am definitely shy. I am definitely shy. No one would ever believe that about me unless you knew me really well and you were sensitive like you. Like yeah. People wouldn't realize that because, um, you know, the training that I do for myself to make sure that I'm constantly seeking and doing and engaging and being out there and being open to people and experiences and life and all that kind of stuff. So th this is really, really important what you're saying because if you're um, – we've heard this before too, traveling, you know, meeting people, finding people where you just – feel good why do I feel good with that person right. like what is it about right. you know this interaction because you're bringing a part of that interaction also you know unless you're just like feeding off that person which happens in like celebrity stuff and whatever like you know different things but in that in a genuine way when you're with someone else you have that opportunity so I yeah so yeah. this whole thing because it is like what what do I like what do I like really what do I like you know and then allowing well, it to be and, and right yeah, but also what I like about what I get to do with people is, you know, wherever I go, there I am. So it doesn't matter if I'm at the grocery store or if I'm teaching a class, I'm still there. I'm, I'm always this, the common denominator, you know? Mm -hmm. And so if, if who you are, who, like the first thing I think that would be, is really helpful for people trying to figure out who they are and what they want to do is, are they like comfortable just being with themselves, or are they the the person who's telling you to get out of the room? You know, like the first step is energetically becoming aware of of how it feels to sit with yourself and be comfortable, and then wherever you go, you'll you'll be comfortable. Where like I could go into any project and I will bring something to it because I will be there. Because yeah. I'm in the room, because I'm with myself. I'm not trying to get away from me. So I think that's why when people have career changes, they're often pulled into some therapeutic work. They're they're called into some quieter space. They maybe have to, you know, spend more time alone now because they're not in the same job they're in, and everything has to slow down. Because the the person they're spending time with themselves, there's no connection there. Oh, that's interesting. So, yeah, because we have that saying in our house, like wherever you go, there you are. You think you're going to go and, you know, get a different job or you think you're going to get a different car or you think you're going to move and it's all going to be different. And yeah. that might be true if you are aware of what it is that you are shifting. Yeah. But if you're just trying to, you know, get away and not solve, not figure out what it is for you, then you're not going to get anywhere. You're just going to be probably less happy because now you've change not a lot a lot of switching costs and all this stuff and personally so yeah, yeah that's, that's yeah. I think that's helpful because I that, that so much of this what happens and we're talking about these you know these very critical times like these you know in your 20s and you know gosh I mean just think about when you're talking about being you know depressed 
just in your 20s and you look at it now from hindsight just to say like, oh my gosh, you know, if there's any other way, you know, but I think that's just part of the struggle that, every, you know, yeah. people have different paths. I mean, and you kind of, you have these struggles to go through to find your way. So when you're in, okay, so when you're in the, um, in college, then did you, as you were graduating, what, did you have a sociology degree? What did you graduate with? Probably, no, like, I ended up with um, a degree in English and in a degree in teaching. Okay, and then yeah. you, so you had your teaching certificate. So you thought you would be I had a, a teaching teacher. certificate. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I went through all the formal training for that. And then did you teach yeah. initially before you went to get your master's? I got my master's while I was teaching. Oh, yeah. very yeah. impressive. Wow. I think Why? that a lot of teachers do that. What was the point? Yeah. What was the point of getting the master's? Well, I really loved writing, and I really loved writing poetry in particular. And um, my mother, it was really nice that my mother happened to work at this um, wonderful liberal arts college called Manhattanville in Purchase, New York. And I just had the opportunity to go into their master's program in writing. And I loved spending time like that with people, you know, that creative writing courses are, are very self-reflective as you can I'm imagine. Sure. Yeah. So it did write in with my Reiki and my yoga, you know, training. When I was training back then in yoga, there was only like 10 yoga studios in Manhattan. Yeah. Different. Nobody really understood all this stuff back then. Um, so but when did you start? Did you start your yoga training when along this journey? I started, well, I started t- practicing yoga when I was 20 and I actually t- took my first yoga class, my formal yoga class at, U- at GW. And the teacher was like in her at the time, I thought she was, you know, really old, but she's probably like 67. And I was just amazed by her beauty. Mm-hmm. and of her grace and the way she moved. And I ended up um, taking that class and then training with her in her home um, for the following year. So I, that, you know, I just stumbled into that class and it was the beginning, you know, and then I found Reiki that same year. So for me, the Reiki and the yoga always combined. They Overlap, were a combined yeah. thing. And when I, t- uh, I created with some other wonderful people, a yoga teacher training through the University of Maryland, um, not through their college, but through their medical school. Um, it, but it wasn't for the medical students. It fell under the Center for Integrated Medicine, so it was for the public, but it was very much designed for healthcare professionals. But all of the people that trained with me in yoga became Reiki masters. So they were all trained to understand wow. how to move the energy within them and how to source themselves so that they could like hold the space in a room in a whole different way. And I loved that. I was able to be a part of that. Yeah. That's gotta be super powerful. I mean, yeah, really. Yeah. Yeah. Very different. Yeah. And we, yeah. And we've trained, I think we've trained over like 150 teachers wow. at this point. Yeah. So, okay. So then, um, so how does the transition from creative writing, from getting your master's and being a teacher into your, you know, current more well, your very recent role into training you know health practitioners how to teach yoga how does it how does it yeah, all happen so after uh, um i had a few things happen i got i had the opportunity to go live in hawaii for a year with my husband so i left my teaching job for that and i got to teach actually as an adjunct um t- you know professor well i wasn't a professor but i was i taught at the adjunct college faculty. level yeah because i wasn't in a doctorate program so you know but 
they were they needed an English teacher and I was able to fill the position. So I taught college for that one year and I liked that too. But then I was like, what if I get myself a little bit back more into my original idea, which is how to create work environments that are healthy and good for people. So when I went moved back to Manhattan after a year, I just got a job uh, um, as a temp. And I thought this was probably like, this is probably the simplest thing I can tell people to do is just get a job as a temp and get thrown into the world, like literally just thrown into something. Because I ended up at the Red Cross in Manhattan, their their main office. And um, I just had all these amazing experiences and learning about, you know, how to operate in that environment. And I was in the, the what were you um, applying for, training. For? But when you applied, I was a just temp. there as a temp. But when you go to the temp agency, they say, fill this form out. You know, yeah. what do you what do you know how to do? And you're like, I, I know how to do accounting. I know. How. So you write down like, I yeah. know how to teach English. And they say, I just, I basically just said, you know, I, I knew how to use a computer and I knew how to answer stuff, phones. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Great. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I love this. I love, okay. But within months, within months, I got moved into, I, this is actually a good story. Great. This is I, I a love story this about is like, yes. if you show up and you're just there and you're honest and, and you're awesome. who you are, yeah. something happens. So I, I was, I was a temp and I was a long-term temp. So I was there for a few months, which was good. And they were doing a re-engineering of the the Red Cross in Manhattan. So this guy came up to me. He sits down. He's like, can you tell me, you know, a little bit about your perception of your job here and the workflow and so-and-so and this and that? And I'm like, I, I started saying things to him that I noticed. And he goes, you've got a lot to say. I said, yeah, but I have to go, but I'll write you up what I what I want to tell you that I think I see here. And I wrote this whole thing up about what I thought would make the whole thing work better. Really? I mean, who yeah. am I? <laughs> I just, I'm like, this, this is silly and this would be that. I started moving stuff around. I wrote the whole thing up because I could write and I was sensitive and I knew what people weren't happy with and where things and weren't he working. And asked you, this is what I think is so miraculous about this story. He There's a miracle. Me. He asked yeah. you. Yeah. But here it gets better. I turn it in. The next thing you know, I'm on the re-engineering team. And I get moved up to the executive floor. Oh, and yeah. I'm mapping You're like on the board now. <laughs> I'm mapping people's jobs. I'm going down interviewing people because I'm a good so cool. listener. I was writing reports about where things were working and not working for them and turning them in and creating these work maps. And I like, ended up um, like workflow maps or like physical yeah. space maps or like everything. Work, like work, workflow work maps. Map. Okay, so like so and so gives you an email or sort to explain that. So like so and so tells you like, okay, I need to have this report filled out and whatever and you're uh, whatever, you know, someone I'd be like these three things are duplicated in these three ways. They're not necessary. Yeah. Like we just need it over here this way. Because also this person could do it. We don't need these two other people doing it, right? Also Well, I wasn't eliminating jobs, but I was saying we have computers now. We don't need to do we don't need to fill this form out every time this way. We right. can actually do it this way. So at that time, anyone, you know, and we're still in that process with. The totally. Way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is fascinating, line. this whole thing that you're talking about, because that's another whole field that is out there. It's probably like organizational behavior or whatever. I don't even know how you would get involved in that, but I'll figure it out. But I don't know, either, but that would be if I was to go into a corporate setting, that would be a place where my sensitivity would be great. Really be. Yeah, for sure. I could totally open that up and not get bombarded because it's my job to figure, you know, to, to engage people that way. And with the potential, potentially, you know, of maybe 
fixing and helping the system to be better, right? Yeah. So I don't even know what that falls under operations or I don't even know. But I don't know. The bottom line is in a year I went from temping to a really good job. And it was What was your of, job? What was your title then when you were up on the executive I was floor? just on the reengineering committee. Okay. Yeah. Like a reengineering uh, master. <laughs> No, I wasn't. I don't think it was, you know. It wasn't like super, um, what would it be, like um, head engineer of no. the workflow space? <laughs> no, that's not. You know how they have these titles that you're like, what does that even mean? Like, what no, do you even like, do? What is that? What like, is that? We, we could hire this person to do it for like uh, 100 hour, and then we can get her for 30. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> probably do the same thing. I think it was just probably in the end more economical to pick a young college kid to do it, you know. And then I thought, yeah. yeah, well, I, I think... I realized through that that um, that what I was paying attention to again mattered, that my sensitivity was was helpful, you know, that it wasn't um, something that was a burden, that it wasn't just to hook into the things of that were going on that were confusing or were the suffering of others, because that's the other side to that empathic energy. Yeah, that you can just hook right into all the hard stuff that's going on all the time and not take care of yourself. And not be able to let it go at the end of the day. So, um, yeah. So then that happened. And then I got pregnant. And I lived in Manhattan at the time. And um, I worked through my pregnancy. But then when when Lucia, my daughter came, Lucia, um, the one who's, you know, backpacking through Indonesia right now, um, the cost to get yeah. daycare in Manhattan versus what I was making didn't make sense. So I, that's when I pulled out of work and then I went into my yoga teacher training. That's when I started to train in yoga so I could teach yoga. Because you were actively at a studio? Were you actively working out, like doing your yoga at a studio that you liked and then you said, I'm going to do my training here? Or how did, no, how did the training? What? It's going to be hard to imagine, but they really didn't even have studios then. Yeah, there I know. There was an I ashram and there were people who taught yoga and they had... They had to pick you, you know, to, to pass it on to. And we didn't have these big studios. We had nothing like that. It was a very different culture. And it was more of an oral culture, too. It was something that was you were taught orally. Um, and, and then programs were starting to come up. And I, I found one at the Open Center, which was a great, was a wonderful place to take really amazing courses in Manhattan. And um, I liked it because a physician was teaching the class. And at that time, my husband was in medicine. So that was another, that's another reason why I, I like to find out what language people speak, because I also have a lot of people in my life who are scientists mm-hmm. and come from that left brain, more rational world. And so I can't start these conversations with them at the, at this like woo woo level, I lose them. Mm-hmm. So I have to figure out where they are and what their exposure is and I think that that's why I started with this beautiful, amazing teacher who was also a doctor. Um, so there's a place called Kripalu. It's a very famous place in um, the East Coast for training in yoga. And it used to be an ashram. And this um, man, my teacher, was a medical student at Penn. And he went up to the ashram for the summer. And he fell deeply in love with yoga. And he became very devoted to the, the teacher who was you know, the head of the ashram. And he didn't want to go back to medical school. And the Swami said, you know, his name is Jeff McDowell, and you can look him up. His work is beautiful. 
um, Jeff, you have to go finish you know, medical school. And then when you finish, you can come up here and be the doctor for the ashram because they were getting really big. And that's what he did. And so he had this medical degree, but then he went and he studied yoga and mantra and pranayama and, and, you know, Ayurveda. And that's the man who I found to teach, uh, teach to me. And that worked out really well for me. He taught me a great deal. Still, still very important to me. Well, it's still important. Okay. Because this is now, now I'm kind of like putting this puzzle together. So you have, um, you have your teaching element, which you're very good at, obviously, like proven and educated. And I think this is really important because it's really easy to say like, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm really good at this and I'm really sensitive and da, da, da. And this is where the woohoo thing kind of steps off for some people, right? Because, yes. um, you know, you can, you can be all your sensitive and you can have your, you know, some people, there are definitely people who are just gifted this way. They have sensory um, gifts that are beyond what the rest of us have. However, putting that into like a, um, a solid, you know, I don't know, educational anchor somehow. And like I always say on this podcast, your education comes in all different ways. It doesn't have to be like, oh, I went to this college and I have this degree and I, you know, blah, blah, blah. But um, some kind of an educational anchor. So important because you just, you came from that environment. You came from, uh, you know, George Washington University, very well-respected college. You know, like you came from university and then having a master's degree and then having um, this then tie-in where he's a physician now. That is like you know, really taking it to the max in terms of an academic preparation for what you're going to do um, in this space, whatever you would call this, you know, energetically or spiritually or, you know, in the next, you know, multi, you know, sensory realm. So I think that's really important because I think it would be people who are listening to this thinking, I am this person, like I am, I'm sensitive, I have all these things. There's so many ways that you've already mentioned, even in this conversation, about how you can apply those skills, whether, even if you're sitting there in a corporate environment right now, um, there are... They're like human development people now too in corporations that whose job yes, it is to right to make sure yeah. that the workforce is functioning well and happy and you know has kind of their whatever you know their workouts yeah. done their psychology done their acupuncture all that kind of stuff that their environment works so there are lots of ways to use this and I really appreciate that now we have um, you know all the all the energetic pieces and all the sensitivity pieces and then the educational foundation I think I would just look at it like that you know and we're building this this really nice building okay so um, but I, I will say what I think is really important about having something formal um, going through the process of college or to get some type of certificate of you know that's acknowledged or license in something um, as a sensitive person, you do have to turn your sensitivity in towards your craft. And you, when you go into study and you go into learning, you have to organize yourself and ground yourself and be very present and, and, and accountable. You have to turn things in. You have to you know, move towards some discipline because someone like me, could just keep going and have a new day every day, but never get anything done. This is you know? really important. Yeah. And, I'm, and so it's, really important. it's actually a, a training you even like something like my kids are like, this is so stupid. This homework is stupid. I'm like, it's not about the homework. It's you're learning attention. You're learning how to complete. You're learning how to use that part of your brain that will stick with something and see it through to the correct thing. 
that is the training, not, not the, not the math. I mean, I, it was, I wasn't particularly interested in math, but when we have to stick to something and learn it and understand it, we do get very grounded and very present in our life and we get in the moment to do that. And that's, that's very important. That's very mindful to complete a paper, to complete a project. That's practicing reality. You know, you know, I never think I didn't, I haven't really thought about it in terms, I, I believe the same way. And I talk about it a lot on this podcast. I think so much of these two year, four year, whatever degree that you get, I, I think it's totally fine not to go to college. I think whatever path you have, because they're, like I said, I think there are ways that you can get educated. However, that um, two, four year degree, whatever it, I think what the mark of that is exactly what you're saying, just the discipline to get through it, just yeah. to, to show that you can buckle down and do things in a certain way that are prescribed a certain way. And, you know, you can make your plan or you can do your internships like you did and, you know, kind of have a different experience, but nonetheless, it's, it's difficult, can be arduous and you get through it. And then you have a little certificate at the end that tells everyone that you're able to focus at this level. Yeah. And this is important for the people listening who are interested in going into the field of yoga or, or energy Right now, science and the scientific world is taking this so seriously. So much money is spent, millions of dollars now, is spent each year researching this. So where this is going is the things that I, you know, had to go learn from people who there were no books. That is now becoming curriculum in colleges. There are colleges now that offer learning in this way. And... You can begin to learn it, and the science is there now. This is, this is really amazing that they're showing, like, the brain, right, mm-hmm. is always changing and growing. We have these neural pathways, right? When you study, you create the neural pathways for things in terms of getting them complete. You create the, the, the pathway that allows for you to create the discipline to get a project that was a thought into reality into something that maybe potentially becomes income. So the science is now behind all of these things that were once very nebulous. And so if you want to go into this work, you're going to, you are going to need a social work degree. You are going to need a nursing degree. You are going to need um, a license to touch because the money is going there. And where the money goes, you have accountability. Where accountability goes you have things that are important, like licenses to touch, so that not anyone could just touch anybody. And so these there's ways of finding like the blending of the science and the sensitivity now that weren't there just five years ago. That's really important. Can you um can you follow up on that as we're talking about yeah. this? Because that what um when you talk about even the science there, so I, I wouldn't necessarily I don't know how I would think about this. So if someone's, if, if say I have a, a you know, an inkling towards this or I'm a, you know, a parent has a, you know, 16-year-old, 18-year-old, 20-year-old, whatever yeah. child who's thinking like just loves, loves yoga, loves Reiki, like, you know, you always find what, what are you doing on YouTube all the time? Like what kind of videos are you watching on YouTube? What are you reading in these magazines? When you go and plop down at the doctor's office, like what do you do, you know, when you're, when you're waiting, like that kind of stuff just to get indications. So if someone's getting all the indications that this is their, yeah. this is that, would, um, would you, would you advise getting like even a, a like a science degree or, you know, cause you're talking nursing, no, I, like nursing I mean, is like, like someone a degree, really, you know? Yeah, no, but like, 
like someone who's really, really um, like I'm learning, getting a, a, like a, a license in massage therapy, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It doesn't mean you have to actually give massages. It gives you a license to touch though. Mm-hmm. And you learn the anatomy. I say, see? okay, so, using it like, as part there, of your you, education. Whatever you're interested in, there is usually something that's relatable that is, um, that is definable, you know, and, and recognized in terms yeah. of, you know, certification. I, when P- I train people in Reiki, I, I give them a certificate that I print out, you know, now you can't go into a hospital and just necessarily go around touching people. Yeah. You have to, you have to have the, and this is good and bad, you know, I can't actually go into a hospital right now and just touch anyone anymore because I don't have a license to touch mm-hmm. in certain states. I can't do that. Now I can do plenty of Reiki without touching people, but I might have to go get like a, a degree in acupuncture or massage therapy to actually be a viable worker in the workplace, in healthcare, using energy. Super Does that make helpful. sense? Yes, Whereas completely. before you didn't need that, mm-hmm. but before people were doing stuff and they didn't necessarily understand you know, what they were doing that may be physically dangerous, mm-hmm. you know? So. Right. I think, I think like if you're that, an, um, like if you're a vocational nurse, like an LVN, like, uh, maybe if you're an MA, like there's all those, there's all these ancillary levels, mas- massage right. therapy. But then like, if you're a nurse, you're able to, you know, touch people in, in more significant ways. You're able to give someone a shot, for instance, that you can't do if you're an LVN or, you know, an MA. So I I get what you're saying. So it's really about kind of supplementing um, what, you know, didn't used to be gaps, but now they're definitely going to be gaps as these fields are more recognized and more useful and probably able to eventually, I don't know if they are now, to be, you know, yours is probably a billable service. If you're a billable provider, right, at some level, you have to... Well, I'm not because I... If I was a social worker or I was mm-hmm. a nurse or I was exactly. a nurse practitioner right. or a, phys- a massage therapist or a, a physical therapist is a wonderful place to go if you really want to really use the yoga because physical therapy and yoga, there's a lot there to, to um, you know, there's a whole field called yoga therapy now. It's coming in to the, you know, in a pretty strong way. And they are, they're really getting clear about what really should yoga teachers be doing that's good and what shouldn't they be touching because it's crossing the line. If they come and do um, adjustments and things like that. you Yeah. So like Mm -hmm. I used to adjust, I have a Thai yoga um, background too. Mm -hmm. And I, in the last few years have not done Thai yoga. I don't adjust people. And it's not because I don't want to, it's because I was teaching in a more of a hospital setting. I was teaching people who were um, really when they touch, they have to be careful what they're doing because they're in a situation where there are legal ramifications for adjusting someone wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, if yeah. I just had, you know, there is, unfortunately, with money comes legal stuff. Yep. And so this market, because there is money moving toward it now, is becoming, and, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but if you're going into this, it's not the way it was just five years ago. I mean, I'm not allowed to just go around and adjust people anymore because I am not a physical therapist. I'm mm-hmm. not a massage therapist. And even though I teach physical therapists and massage therapists how to do these things, I still don't have the actual license to do that. Right. And, I, and I, it bothered me at first. But then I realized, wait a minute, you're, you want this to be taken seriously. 
Right. You know how powerful this is as a healing modality. It has to go through this uncomfortable stage of who's going to get the money for a little while to make it real, to make it like a bona fide way of healing. So, yeah, I have to back off and I have to put my hands in my pocket. That's been hard. Mm-hmm. But I have other gifts that are stronger right now that can help me to move people into themselves. And that's what I'm being called to do. Rather than going in there and adjusting it, they have to go in there and adjust it. But that's really, feel. I think that's so helpful because there are so many people now who, um, you know, will go do their yoga training, whether or not they're going to be a yoga instructor. You know, a lot of people just get the training for their own practice. But then you would go on, if you did want to continue being a yoga instructor, to take it to the level that you've taken it, I mean, I, you're certainly going to have to, at this stage in the game, find ways to supplement your, I guess, practical education in, in ways that are recognized. I think this is really important. These yeah. licenses are no joke, you know, in no, terms they, of the sta- their joke. state, you know, they are like, there's a board around them, you know, like yeah. a board, like a people who regulate this stuff and make sure that everything's being followed. And the more and more now with how many yoga instructors there are and, you know, yoga training is not standardized. It's not like everyone gets exactly the same training in exactly the same way from exactly the same book. So um, there have to be, you know, ways to scan license. It's coming. Yeah, I I would imagine. It's it's in our conversation now. Yeah. Yeah. And so even though I've had to kind of back up, and it's partly why I resigned because, well, for many reasons, it's always hard to to change what you're doing if it's really connected to your ego. And so this is for people now, maybe my age, 50, and they are pulling out of one career and going into another. It takes a lot to let go of that identity that you once were. It takes a lot for me to to come on this show and say, well, I am the director versus I resigned. Okay, that feels really different for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't have another title either to fill that in and say, but now I'm working for Hopkins doing this. Yeah. Like I didn't go out and do that because I'm changing. I'm growing. I'm back in in school inside. And when I get clear about what I'm learning inside and what I'm ready for, then there may or may not be a course or a license or something that that the you know gives me the validation that I am indeed that. You know. So when you're 50, it's kind of hard to pull back and let yourself not be defined in those other ways. But you're also so ripe to be who you are, mm-hmm. really, like who you genuinely are. And so I think someone at 50 looking for a career change in this world is a little different than someone in their 20s in that they um, they have a lot of other gifts that kind of come into that. So it says I, because I've trained a lot of people in yoga, one of the things I do is they will come to me one-on-one and I'll say, okay, well, you were this and you were this and you were this. Do you see that this is a beautiful workshop? If you take your career path and you, you blend it with the yoga and you, you, you mark yourself to those people who were in the same kind of career and you help them to become mindful, then you have your job, your work, because that's the path you took. I love that. Right. Yeah. right. So say you worked in HR, which is kind of like right. a glow hanging fruit for this, right? So you, right. you know, worked in HR, you have all these skills of interviewing people, talking to people, you know, like whatever, dealing with conflicts, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. And then now you can integrate the yoga and figure out, like you're saying, just even a workshop, 
to offer or yeah, we, a webinar we, or we whatever. Find the, the human relations, you know, mm-hmm. people that are in town for a conference and you go to that conference and offer yoga for free. And then so you great. meet all these people who are in human, you know, resources like, oh my who gosh, need to totally learn practice mindfulness. Yes. Yeah. Oh, why can't you just come in and when, lead a seminar? Yes, of course. I'll come in, do and a you seminar. Speak your language. Yes. Yeah. Oh, this is so that's, that's different awesome. than a 20 year old looking for a yoga teacher training. Mm-hmm. So, or different from a, from a 50 year old trying to figure out, like, oh, how can I teach this class? Because, I mean, that's right. available too, but why give up all those amazing skills that you have when you could right. integrate it and use it in a way that's, I mean, that would be so fulfilling, I would think. Yeah, and even if you weren't working and you were taking care of kids and your kids, you had really like highly sensitive kids with ADHD and all these things. Maybe you're teaching yoga to those moms. Or to those kids. Or or to those kids. Yeah, Yeah. to those kids and whatever. Exactly. Yeah, you kind of come later in your life with other things that I think are very important to integrate into how you... um, I do want to say one thing. If you are looking for yoga teacher training... Yeah. Um... There's something called the Yoga Alliance. That was the first governing body that, you know, kind of give, gave validation to your training. Um, and that's a good resource. Um, but then there is a, a new group of people um, that focuses more on yoga therapy. And they're kind of forging the path for um, how can we really bring yoga into into the healing world, into into healthcare. Um, so they list trainings and yoga trainings and teachers on their site that are at, uh, uh, they're paying attention on a whole different level to the training. That this is, that's have. important. Does that so make sense? You, completely. Yeah. Um, and I think about it in terms of, you know, I always like to set up analogies for people because I think it's maybe easier. So tell me if this is an, an analogy that fits. Something like um, if you go and get your, you know, yoga training and you have their validation, that might be like, you know, a paramedic versus going to get this, you know, yoga therapy where you're, say, in med school or, you know, going on to, you know, something like a higher kind of level. Like how do you, yeah, is is that kind of how you can think about it, or how how can you think about it? Because I want to I want to make sure when people are thinking about yeah. you know so career wise, right? Um, I want to teach yoga, but I want to get paid. Um, like yeah. I want a um, I want a career. I want to I want a career. I want to be in, an, in a group where insurance is coming in, and and I'm part of the you know the budget for for this um, corporation. Um, they, you you have to pay attention to the path that's being laid out for you and the qualifications required. So I, I, you know, I left the yoga teacher training this, this year, but next year and the years to follow, there may be just a yoga teacher training for just people who already have um, licenses to touch. So in order to even get into the program, you already have to be a licensed healthcare professional. That's like where it's going. I say. So before you even get into these more advanced yoga teacher training, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you have to have your nursing degree or your massage therapist or your a social worker um, because that kind of opens the door for you to have, you know, knowledge of the physical body and, you know, all the things that potentially can come into play like trauma mm-hmm. and abuse right. and things of that sort. There's a real sensitivity to that. So that organization, just so you know, um, uh, IAYT, the International Association of Yoga Therapists. 
So a yoga therapist is different than a yoga teacher. A yoga therapist can prescribe yoga to help someone on their healing path, whereas a yoga teacher just can teach a yoga class. So a yoga therapist can can touch if they have other licenses depending on the state. So this is the organization that's kind of what like creating all this, but also monitoring all this and trying to make it so that it works for as many people as possible. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah, completely and codify it. Yeah. Um, so can you give me an example? So a yoga therapist would um, prescribe therapy and what kinds, give us some examples and what um, kinds of situations? Well, like a beautiful example as um, at the university of Maryland, they have yoga for people who are in, um, who are being treated for cancer. So the cancer, um, part of the plan, if you wish, in terms of really handling your, your, the medicine that's required, you know, for, for reducing tumors or whatever, is the yoga. So the, the yoga is specific to the cancer, or the yoga is specific to depression, or the yoga is specific to back surgery or knee surgery. Do you understand the difference? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a pretty, it's, it's a very clinical approach. But they're also bringing in some of the more beautiful things of mindfulness and meditation and relaxation. And mostly what these techniques do is they create the relaxation response. You know, So thankfully, healthcare has realized that if someone feels safe and they're relaxed, they heal. I know this sounds very simple, but that's really important. And so mindfulness and this, these beautiful modalities that have been coming in, you know, into our awareness for the last 10 years, when someone's scared, you introduce them on that modality and they become safe. And if the body's safe, then it can activate the parasympathetic system. Mm-hmm. And if your body is relaxed, it starts to heal, you know. If your body's afraid, it's protecting itself. It's in a whole different phase. It's not building proteins and it's not increasing you know, the, the conditions and all that. Yeah. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's just so simple, but now science is like, okay, not only do we need the nurse in there, but the nurse has to actually be able to calm them down and bring them into a place where they feel safe. Well, of course the nurses are overwhelmed. It's too much. Yep. So now they'll eventually they'll have these practitioners that are nurses, but their full-time job will be to go in and help reset these inner environments. And it's my my vision is that anyone in healthcare, anyone who goes through any type of healthcare training will also have this kind of training that I've been offering for the last ten years because they all need it, first of all. They're all sensitive people. Sure. And they all really could use to be really aware of where they're sourcing from. So yeah, it's holistic. Clear. It's like if I feel like right. finally after decades and decades we've been talking about this holistic approach to medicine and to health and to be able yeah. to bring it into a hospital setting where I mean that's where we really want people to get well is right. uh, is very cool that that's actually even happening. Let me ask you yes. your job that you you know have recently moved yeah. on from um is that job still available? Is there a, a job for a, you know a director of that level to train yoga trainers, train uh, yoga teachers no, in mean, a hospital someone, setting? Someone else filled that position, and I. But I mean, like I a job like that them. exists. Oh, like, is there yeah. a jo- like are the, what is that job? Yeah, there it is. And <laughs> how would someone like who do you have to be to apply for a job like that in a hospital setting? Because I'm thinking if yeah. I were listening to this and I had any of these things lining up. I would say, like, I didn't even know that that was a job. 
I had yeah. like I had yeah. no idea that this whole field existed, but much less, you know, that you could get a job in a in a stable environment like a university hospital. Yeah. Well, most most teaching universities have some type of of center or some type of wellness center. They have something now that's offering something of this sort, you know, acupuncture, yoga, meditation, all the big ones do. Um, but if you're in a smaller setting with a smaller hospital, and this is good, this is actually what happened to me. I w- I just actually started so long ago that I created, I created it. They didn't have it. So I started offering yoga classes. Then I started training nurses in Reiki and yoga. And then I got enough interest and we were able to obtain a grant. So coming into anything with money is going to give you the opportunity to create your own job. I can't even tell you how powerful that is. What I just said, there are people that want to give money to people to create things in settings that need it. So sometimes you can see where the need is and then you just have to go out and find people who are good at finding money. So you don't even have to find the money. You just have to find the people who are good at finding money and give them your idea and see if they can get the money. Now, they that's their job. So they do get a little money for finding the money. But then you bring money and a program and an idea into a, an institution that needs it. Asking an, an, any kind of institution right now to give you money is going to be hard because unless it's really important in their philosophy and they already have a budget for it, they're not going to come up with the money themselves. This is really but there cool. are people that are benefactors and want to give money to a hospital. Completely. And so many. they want to give it really specifically. They say, you know, yeah. yoga saved my life when I had breast cancer. So I'm going to give the hospital $30,000 and that $30,000 will go to your salary for the year. And then you have a year to create a program that generates money by offering yoga to the public and creating, you know, in some type of small business that moves that money through your department in, yeah, independently. Grant right? writers and all that stuff. Yeah. Because yeah. that's what you're talking about when you're talking about people who know how to get money. Is that a grant writer? Yeah. It could be a grant writer or someone like on the auxiliary board. You know, there are people that that's their gift. That's what turns them on. They love to find money that's stuck in bank accounts and move it towards things that create realities that heal and change people's lives. That's awesome. That's exactly that's a great job. It's it's oh my god. That's another whole thing. Exactly. But that it's really important what you said too, because there's so many elements in what you just said, and I just want to you know keep people online here um, as we'll you know close out a little bit. But I just want to. Yeah. Um, I, I, it's so important for people to understand how much power they have. You know, how, you have so yeah. much power over your own existence, and if you are in a situation where you can line it up and get. You know, you're speaking to all of us. You know, I don't care what you're doing right now. Like you're speaking to all of us to say, you know, you can find the people. I don't know how to, I'm not good at getting money. I don't know how to do that, but other people do. I'm good at this thing. This is what I do, whatever it is, you know, but other people know how to do that. And then you're right. Then you have your, you know, $20,000, $30,000 or whatever money just to get situated with whatever the hospital or a company, and then you say, I'm going to build this program, which is, that's very cool. I'm thinking about other people I've talked to who are doing similar kinds of things, and then it's a matter of just finding a grant or a benefactor, because you find your own benefactor too, and they can give, you know, things to the university tax-free and through, you know, various means. Yeah, and your kids are similar to mine in that 
I think the generation coming in, they all expect to make their own careers up. Yeah, I think, I think they expect right. that because the systems that are were there are changing so much. Education's changing. They're going to make up their own jobs there. Healthcare is changing. People are making their own jobs up. I mean, everything's yeah, changing like so fast. Like solving problems, filling in needs. Like yeah. what, yeah, what yeah. problem do you want to solve and how are you going to solve it? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. They, they are going into a pretty different canvas than we have. Their paths are more creative, I think, than we have had so, okay, so that, and that's important, though, too, because if someone's thinking, like, oh, I'll just go and apply for this job, it, you might not find that job. You Like, it, you know, in your setting, especially as this is a newer, I don't want to say it's a new industry because it's certainly not, it's, you know, um, eons old, but yeah. um, but in terms of the the practical use and how people are applying it in healthcare now is relatively right. newer. But if they're just scrolling through LinkedIn or looking on their job boards, they're not, they might not come across these as jobs. No, they might not. Okay. I mean, and it's been my experience with the job, all the jobs I've had, that I've kind of just really walked in and told them what I, who I was and what I wanted to do. <laughs> yeah. Well, or like yeah. your parents are going to say like, oh, there's no jobs in that. How are you going to get a job? What do you mean you're going to go get your, you know, yoga training and then what? Are you going to, you know, teach yoga for the rest of your life at, you know, whatever, you know, one of these yoga, one of these yoga studios. And sure, that's definitely an option. But if you can then say, yes, that's part of it. And then I'm going to go get my massage therapy license so then I can get this, you know, grant to go in and do this program at this local hospital or this nursing home, I mean, whatever. There's right. got, has so many opportunities where you could figure out if you're bringing money, you, you can do whatever you want. Right. I think that really opens the door for that. Yeah. And where the money comes from, though, before you get money, you don't just get money because you have an idea. You get money because you have a really clear idea of who you are. I love that. And you're really clear about what you can do. Your value in this whole yes. piece. Yeah. Yes. And that you believe in it, that you believe you see it. Like me finally saying, when that woman put her hand on my back, and this is, I think, a nice way to wrap up for you, mm-hmm. that woman put her hand on my back and I said, I am not crazy. I am seeing the world in a unique way and the world needs what I see. Yeah. And when you get clear on that, then you tend to find money to help you to create what it is. And you tend to find to your whole life. What you just said yeah. in there that you tend to find your whole life open. Yes. I mean, everything, everything opens. Okay. Yeah. So, and final thinking, I'm just, uh, cause I think we've covered a lot of ground, even being so yeah. just because, um, if I, you know, yeah, if I kind of reflect on where I would come into this conversation, I could come in as, uh, an 18 year old yoga instructor. I could come in as a 50 year old career changer. I could come in as a 35 year old want to, um, you know, figure out how to get my, the hospital where I'm working right now as a nurse to, um, you know, adopt more of this yoga therapy and I could be part of that change. You know, there's just that, this is a, nothing but opportunity. So I'm thinking the people who do well in these, in this space of yours, and correct me if I'm wrong, are people who have the sensitivities and that they've identified these sensitivities in themselves. And then that would want to use that for the betterment of humankind. Really. I think I'm, I think the way mm-hmm. you've described it is these, um, people who would be drawn to this have a clearer vision of the oneness of the universe, you know, like they're really in touch with, um, you know, all existence and then wanting to move that forward. So what else would you say? Like, what would, who do you think does really well? And is what are the key requirements for someone coming into this work? That, that you actually 
you're you're pretty aware that everything that's happening to you is kind of is, is because of you. That not 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 that you deserve to be a victim in any way, but it's really realizing that everything I'm experiencing is because of what I'm thinking. And so I need to kind of turn in with my sensitivities and use them with inside of me so that I can create like a really beautiful world first with myself. And then I can move out and create more, you know, experiences for others. Instead of looking for something to happen to you, I think that turning inward and really knowing that what you are is already there and and what you're supposed to do is is coming toward you as well it's seeking you you know and 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 not looking for someone else to just hand it to you that once you were really in alignment with it with inside and you really feel it deeply then nothing can happen but but you wherever you go only beautiful things happen when you're in that space so there's so many people that are willing to take you into those inner realms and introduce you to those gifts. And I think that I love being a part of that. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause you're definitely one of those people. And I think that that's um, what you just said. There was so beautiful. And for people who are in the beginning of this phase of, um, you know, opening up your consciousness or wherever you are in your life to hear it, you might just be kind of like, what? I mean, I don't even know what that means, but uh, just to be open to that conversation and be open to how powerful you can be in your own life and not in a physical way and not in a, you know, forceful way, but in a just really um, a calm sense of being kind of yeah. way that you know who you are and you know, you just, just in the knowing of, you know, you're here to do something and it's coming to you and you're going to it. It's you no, know, however that is. Yeah. And yeah. if you don't like where you are, if you don't like where you are in your life, then you don't have enough information about who you are. If you don't like where you are, then in your life, you need to change your job. You don't know what to do. The, the information that you need is, is inside. Mm-hmm. There's something that you don't know about yourself. Because once you, know, once you know who you are, it matches outside of you. Yeah. You know, it really starts to show up. Outside. I know this is, sounds weird, but this week I randomly have met three Reiki masters. I mean, I just meet them. I just meet them all over the place because that's kind of where I'm at. Where I'm at. I mean, yeah. literally sit down on a bench and I start talking to this woman at a cross game. She's a Reiki master. I go into my daughter's, you know, um, music school and I want to record something. And they send this guy out to help me with the instruments to record this music. And he's a Reiki practitioner. It's because that's where I am. So if you don't like where you're at, you got to go in and see where you are. I love this. Yeah, I love yeah. this. Is a, this? I think that's so helpful too for people. Again, just to just to see, like, and I think it's not. You wouldn't expect to have met those Reiki masters in those ways, right? No, so they didn't they show up totally at your random. work or your yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they I were disguised like, you know, in some other bar. way. You know, yeah, exactly. I wasn't at the yoga studio. I was just yes. literally walking down the street. So yeah. awesome. 
It's so, yeah. it's so awesome. And actually, because the way that you're speaking about it too, and I always just like to throw in a little bit of the, the money conversation because, you know, yeah. people are like, oh, how do I get paid? You know, how much am I going to get paid? Am I going to pay? So I always like to say like, yes, you can support a family. Yes, you can, you know, these are real jobs. And if you move out of that, um, you know, yoga teacher, unless you own your own studio, you know, you might be subject to other people's schedules. And if they put you on the schedule or don't put you on the schedule, but as you move into these um, different levels, higher levels of skill and education and expertise and ability to do stuff with the licensing, then you have, like you're saying, a job where you really can consistently show the value and then then therefore you get paid and if you're doing exactly doing being I don't know exactly how you're yeah. how you're speaking about it if money is something that you would like to have called into your life then you know some things around you will support that yes I, th- I think so there's a lot of ways to work with money yeah you know yeah, yeah. Because I wouldn't want yeah. this to be like, you know, a full part of this conversation. But I do want people to understand that even if you're, even if you're not highly evolved and you don't yeah. say like, oh, if money you, pours down on me. And <laughs> no, <laughs> but if you know, if you want to make eighty thousand dollars teaching yoga in a in a, a hospital setting, you need you need to be a nurse or a physical therapist. I mean, that's that's what's going to pay you yeah. until we get to the next level, which I think we will, you know, very soon. But it's still going to be taken seriously if you're being paid at that level for it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right? exactly. So yeah, and then if you're in now at that level and then as yeah. it gets taken more and more seriously, you're already positioned to be, you know, continuing up the rainbow. Right. And it goes for lawyers need yoga. They need mindfulness. You know, business wow. CEOs of companies like any any that's why I'm interested in the environment of work. Yeah. How do I train anybody in any environment to bring, you know, sanity and peace and connection into an environment so people can actually calm down. That's huge because so much even on, on, on this project where we talk about in this podcast is it might not be the actual even job. It might be the environment that you're doing the job in, you know, whether you have this like dark cube downstairs or you don't get to leave or you have an impressive boss or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Like you could be a lawyer and want to quit your job to become a lawyer teach, you know, a yoga teacher, or you can take a yoga teacher training and offer yoga in your law firm. And then the whole law firm gets like better because of yoga. And now you like being a yoga, you like being a lawyer and a yoga teacher. Right. You change the environment. And that's what I see a lot. I love that. I see that a lot. That's actually, that's so important too. And I will close after these couple little pieces here, but um, because you don't have to necessarily change your job to change your life. You know, you don't have to get a new career to have a new uh, perspective on career or the way that you're world is working. There are always little things that you can put in and don't throw the the baby out with the bathwater, as they say, because there are ways to work around this, especially as as you find these little niches that, that speak to you. And that would, that would definitely be one. I didn't think about that because there's these huge law firms that are insanely stressful and, you know, it's kind of like really pressure kind of work, you know, there's right. big dollars that we're talking about. There's big names, you know, that are involved in the you know, right. legal suits and whatnot. And I mean, those and are better, you know, than a lawyer, than someone lawyers. who's in that environment who completely <laughs> understands, absolutely, yeah. who understands the sentiments of the people going through that to say, I get it. And this is how I deal with it. And I, I learned it. And now I'm going to teach it to you. Right. Fantastic. When you're sitting at your desk, but you're two feet on the floor and, you know, this is where you go. This is how you, you know, do your mindfulness thing for five minutes and, and regroup. That's tremendously right. valuable. 
Yeah. yeah. Thank you for that. Even on planes. I think we should do it on planes. I think we should teach like the flight attendant. How to, <laughs> well, this is, yeah, like they, a captive well, audience. they do have a little um, seat yoga on one of the planes. They'll put a little video on. I was on an international flight. I think it was British Airways. And um, they're like, and now for a little chair yoga. And they just had to doing all these little flexing things. And I was like, oh, my God, that was my idea. Someone did it. <laughs> Yeah, I could have done that one. I always say like they just need to get the the ideas out there. But we could definitely on a plane. I've had my most spiritual moments on planes. You know, where you're just flying yeah. and you're on that. I never sit on the window. One time I'm sitting on the window and you look outside and you have kind of one of those twilight zone moments and your whole body just has the most like highest level of relaxation that I've ever experienced. You know, yeah. in a plane because I, I don't know. I mean, there's probably a lot of elements that are going on with that. But yeah, yeah there's just a lot there of application. Is for what you do. So I love it. And I'm so appreciative of your much, much, much time today and talking about all this and really helping people. Because like you said, I think this is an area that a lot of people are intrigued by, you know, and don't have any idea that you could do it in a, um, I guess I would say a professional way and certainly in healthcare, which is obviously always a recession proof field, you know, that that's always growing. It's always something that's going to be there. And then people can uh, support people however they can and getting these, getting the knowledge base about how to fill in these, these gaps and be ahead of the curve in, in the space of yoga therapy is really, really helpful. So thank you so much, Bonnie. Really appreciate you being here. It was great talking with you. I love that we reacquainted at this level too. I know, right. It's been really, it's been really great. So thanks so much. Thanks, Chris. Take care of me.